0: this podcast is produced by kpp financial steve peasley president kpp financial independent thinking shared success
1: and now today's podcast good afternoon everybody and welcome to invest talk this is our Tuesday, July 28th, 2020 edition of Invest Talk. I appreciate you all for being here in this hour, and we have a lot to cover, a lot of news items, and interesting insights uh, in the market today. We had home price index come out today that was down on growth from last month, but still relatively strong housing market. We had a continued rollover in growth stocks today. We had gold and the dollar hitting headlines today, finally, after, you know, this kind of reminds me of that old adage that when you see it in the media, you're too late. Now, does that mean you're too late on Gold stocks or the fact that the dollar is declining. No, I think the fundamental backdrop still remains very strong, but these are sentiment indicators. Sentiment indicators and often sentiment indicators are very strong signals that, you know, maybe we've gone too far too fast. It's possible. We're going to talk about that. And COVID cases actually are starting to decline. That's been a good thing. We have the election 98 days now, I believe, away. Biden announced that he's going to give his VP pick next week. So certainly that may be a market mover depending on how the market accepts the nomination or accepts the pick, whether that is you know, maybe more bullish or bearish for either Biden's chances or the laws and regulations that are come down coming down the pipe under a Biden administration. All of these matter. It's a fluid situation here with the market. And we we have to look at all of the both positive and negative Winds that are affecting the market today. And we know there's going to be volatility starting to see that once again. The VIX was up about 70 points today, but still hasn't broken out. Will it? I think we'll know here in the next week or two. Whether we break the new lows for the year or we break higher. Now today in this program, I will do my best to provide you with unbiased answers to your finance and investment questions. You probably want strategies to help you deal with this market, right? This isn't an indexing market. This is a stock picker's market, and you've seen that. Some stocks are doing fantastic, and others remain in the doldrums, and the ones that remain in the doldrums are what we've said for the past six months or so, which is companies who have a lot of debt, have weak balance sheets, are affected dramatically by the shutdown, social distancing, the change in the way we live our lives. And we know that's how it's gonna be for a little while. Are you chasing the airlines? Are you chasing the Disney's of the world? What is your strategy? We're here to help. Now, we operate each and every weekday, both our Stock and my company, KPP Financial. We operate the philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. That's how Steve and I are different than most other investment advisors. We invest right alongside our clients called Parallel Investing, and we are dedicated to this unbiased guidance. That's, That's why we do the show. Try to clear out the noise, clear out the bells and whistles that CNBC is going to give you, that the media is going to throw at you to try to get you to click and watch so they can sell advertising. That's not who we are. I am not Kramer. I do not have bells. I do not have buttons. I just have data in front of me. If you call, I'm going to pull up as much data as I can, give you my perspective on whatever topic that is. That's what we do every day. So I'm ready to take your calls. 888 chart 888 992 If you want to get deeper after the show, you can always set up a no-cost, no-obligation portfolio review assessment via telephone, Skype, or Jive meetings. You know, in today's world, it's tougher to travel. Obviously, there's risks, and we would be happy to set up a digital portfolio, portfolio review. Or you can still sit down with us at our Irvine, California office if you want to do that as well. Just head over to investtalk.com to learn more. Now, my focus point today concerns a story that one analyst is projecting that the fall of the U.S. dollar will have a big impact on certain areas of the global equity market. So, we're going to touch on that. In addition, the S&P is growing very concentrated in its top 10 holdings. And we're also going to touch on that because there are some lessons from the past. Anybody that's listened to this show for any length of time knows I'm a big fan of history, big student of history. And so we're going to look back in history and see what precedent there is for the level of concentration in the S&P compared to current events. Also, the next phase of the stimulus package remains in flux, and I'm going to touch on a kind of a, an extension of, last, of yesterday's discussion, so I'm going to touch on that as well. And then lastly, the Fed is announced an extension to its lending facility until the end of the year. What are the details on that and what may be the impact? So those are the topics that are on my mind, but ultimately I want to hear from you. Let's take a quick look at the market today. You have the S&P down about 21 points, about two-thirds of 1%. The NASDAQ, C-O-M-P-Q, that was down 134 points, about 1.3% on the NASDAQ. So once again, the, the, the growth stocks underperformed. You had the Russell 2000, that was down about 14 points, about 1%. So... The Dow, not down much. 200 points, definitely the best performing index today. But that's not a good thing. It means risk off in the market. And it wasn't a flush day. One thing you have to understand is days where there's a big flush, that's actually not that bearish as long as volume isn't gigantic. But kind of steady, slow grinds lower, that's actually more bearish. Because you haven't shaken enough people out. And so market looks a little precarious right here. Right, on the queues, we've now closed twice over the past two days below the 50-day moving average, and we have not done that since the bottom in March. We did it early in April first few days but since then we have it and so if that continues to crack that's going to bring the market down and uh, I'm going that's in related, relation to my note about the concentration in the S&P. Now you're listening to Invest Talk I'm Justin Klein and you know July is almost in the history books it's the last trading week of July there's a lot to talk about a lot going on and you want to develop strategies to deal with the market volatility. So how can you be better prepared for the market swings? Let's talk about it. I wanna hear from you. Your participation is as important as ever. So we're taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART.
2: This is InvestTalk. July 2020 is winding down. We are living through an unprecedented economic crisis brought on by the COVID-19 pandemic and the markets have reacted. You'll have finance and investment questions. Invest talk. Call now, 888-99-CHART.
0: Hey, my name's Lucas from
2: Texas. I just started watching your podcast or listening to your podcast and I really like it. Uh, I was just calling to see what y'all think about Luke and Coffee, all the troubles they've had and they just
0: recently got delisted, and I was wondering what your thoughts were on it. Thanks.
1: My thoughts are you stay away from it. It's a They've come out as 70, 80% of their revenue is fraudulent. Uh, it's a great example of a Chinese company and the fraud that is embedded. This just happens to be a more egregious level of fraud within Luckin and Coffee. And... So I would stay away from it. You know, it's been delisted for a reason. It still has a $626 million market cap, which is still crazy to me, considering, you know, their revenue is broadly fraudulent, at least the reported numbers. So uh, definitely would stay away from luck and coffee. And it's a lesson to all of those Chinese investors out there, at least not Chinese investors, those those that are invested in Chinese companies. So we say that. 888-99-CHART, 888-99-2-4-2-7-8. I think We're, we're going to talk to Ramiro in the Bay Area. How are you doing, Ramiro? Hey, how's it going? Good, good. What can I do for you?
2: Yeah, so I have a question about um, this company called Turto- Turtois, uh Acquisition Corp. They're going to be merging with Helion, and the symbol is SHLL. Um, I bought some shares at uh $25 but I see the you know stock is starting to trend down it's currently at 1891. I was just wanted to know your thoughts about um what do you think about this stock and or this company in general and do you think it'd be a good idea to buy at this level or or wait for the merger
1: uh is this a SPAC
2: no it's a stock it's a, no, no, no. This, uh, so have? a spec, so
1: special it's... acquisition uh, corporation. So they were put on the market to basically acquire another company. So these are becoming yeah, more yeah. popular. Yeah, yeah. So that's what it looks like here. Uh, typically, this, these, these are very overvalued when uh, the announcement comes, and you've seen that here, right? You had a go from yeah. $10 all the way to 34. Now we're at 19 uh-huh. ish, 1891 to close today. So, you know, I don't know enough about what they're acquiring, right? It's, you know, these, these are very opaque vehicles. This is a lot, all these SPACs, it's kind of financial engineering, right? The, the oh, okay. level of fraud, th- thanks for the call. I would not buy it. Uh, I would not buy it. Uh, so, I would stay away. I just, I just don't like this, this spec vehicle. Um, you know, it's financial engineering. The SEC is asleep at the wheel. Uh, I think there was an article, just recently, in the Financial Times, basically saying this is the golden era of fraud, and it really is. And I believe it was written by yeah, Chanos, Jim Chanos. And that's what he said. Yeah, we are in the golden age of fraud. And it's really the fact that the SEC is not cracking down on all of these SPACs and tech companies that are using funny accounting numbers. It's very similar to the late 90s. The the legislation that came out of the late 90s was too weak. It really was. And the SEC, I don't know what. The problem is over there, but they clearly are not doing their job. They're not protecting investors. It's just all about financial engineering. And the, the fraud here is egregious. And this is a good example of that one. This is, this is Invest Talk. I want to hear from you. Give me a call at 888 99Chart.
2: This is Invest Talk the radio program and podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom. You may be a regular listener. You may even have called a few times. But if you've never called, what are you waiting for? The phone lines are open, and Steve and Justin would love to hear your questions right now. Call 888-99-CHART. Hey, Justin. It's Dalton here. I've just been looking to buy the stock symbol CHAP. I just wanted to see and hear your thoughts on it. Thank you and get back to me.
1: All right, looking at Chaparral Energy, engaged in acquisition, exploration, development and operation of onshore oil and natural gas. Market cap of 22 million, very very small mar- small cap, but it didn't used to be. And it actually went public in 2018, just a couple years ago, was trading in the high teens. Now we're at 46 cents per share. And the reason is is because they are now on the verge of bankruptcy. Their long-term debt is $437 million. Their cash flow trailing 12 months is negative, 134 million, and so, they just look like they're on the brink of bankruptcy here. And if you look at the chart, let me see if there's anything positive. They did have a spike in June, but you've now broken below that spike. You know, it's kind of at some support, but the fundamentals just look absolutely terrible. Even though oil still remains around that $40 a barrel price number, this is not jump to life and their balance sheet remains pretty weak. I would have to go in and look at their pricing on their bonds. I would imagine it's very low, probably 60 cents in the dollar or less. And that means bankruptcy is the most likely outcome here. So I would absolutely pass on chaparral energy. CHP is the symbol. Now, my focus point today concerns the story one analyst is projecting that the fall in the dollar will have a major impact on the stock market. And this is interesting from a sentiment standpoint, because there's been very little writing coverage on the weaker dollar, even the dollar has been trending down for months now. But he thinks it'll actually be positive for equities. That tends to be true. If you've been following my videos on YouTube, you'll know that saying the dollar, a weak dollar is actually good for equities. And you've seen that here. Is The market has stayed relatively buoyant over the past couple of months. Even though the economic numbers are starting to roll over a little bit again, but the weaker dollar has provided liquidity to the system. Now today... The dollar slipped to a two-year low. The dollar index down to about 94 after it fell about 1.6% last week. Remember, this hit a three-year intraday high on March 22nd at 103. So you're talking about over a 10% drop over the past few months. And typically, like I said, a strong dollar is bad for the markets, a weak dollar is good for the markets, but a weak dollar is even better for international markets or multinationals who have a big chunk of their revenue from overseas. Now, if the weaker dollar means a weaker economy on the domestic front, that doesn't bode well for most other stocks. Now, over the long term, the dollar and equities have a negative correlation, I meaning if the dollar goes down, typically equities go up and vice versa. Since 1973, it's been about negative 0.2, meaning if equities go up 1%, typically the dollar falls about 0.2%. Vice versa, if dollar goes up 1%, typically equities fall 0.2%. I mean, this is a large data set. Now, since 2000, since China joined the World Trade Organization, the correlation has actually increased to negative point three five 0.35%. So there's even a stronger correlation. The equity markets are more dependent on a weaker dollar than in the past. So while a weaker dollar doesn't mean doom for the equity markets, what it t- does mean is that, Foreign equities tend to do better, and I think that's certainly true in this case, and especially in this environment where Europe has actually handled this pandemic better. China, or not China, Italy, is averaging around 100 new cases a day. We're averaging north of 50,000 new cases a day. Now, obviously, size of populations, but still, Europe in general is handling this far, far better. Now, you could say there's various reasons. You know, the mask thing has become politicized here in Europe. It's not really politicized. Um, You know, there there are a lot of variables in this. But the bottom line is we're having to stimulate a lot more because we haven't handled the pandemic nearly as well as Europe. And what that means is our money printing, our M2 growth has far outpaced Europe's. And our economy is now weaker relative to Europe's and other parts of the world and therefore our dollar is weak. The euro is up 3.6% in July. Now, some economists are warning that the dollar could be undone in a rapid fashion and that could create uh, an erosion of the world's reserve currency status. I don't know if I go that far. So, but this is definitely a different situation. And so near term, I, I, I could see the dollar rallying, um, but it's something to continue to watch. Give me a call. I'm Justin Klein. This is the Best stock 8899 chart. EBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed a hundred thousand miles and a body full of rust K E R O N E dot com, hackerone dot com.
2: You are listening to Invest Talk. We've seen the markets go up, then down, sideways, and around. It's called volatility. And if you're a serious investor, you'll have finance and investment questions for Justin Klein. He's here now, taking your calls live. Invest Talk. Eight 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 ninety nine chart Hello, my name is TJ. I just had a quick question for you. I was looking to invest in the solar space, Canadian solar specifically, CSIQ. I already own a couple Canadian uh, stocks within my portfolio. So I'm wondering if, number one, is that something you should pay attention to? Is the region that some of your stocks are exposed to and monitor that? And maybe that shouldn't be a reason I invest in Canadian
1: solar, but just looking to hear what you hear about this one. Thanks. Bye. Well, the first question is not about where they're domiciled, right? They're out of Ontario. It's about where their business is. And I'm not, let's see, it derives most of its majority of revenue from Asia and has a presence in the Americas and Europe and other regions. So even though it's Canadian, the majority of its revenue comes from Asia. So that's what you have to consider. It's not where, once again, its headquarters is. It's where the business actually operates and where the revenues come from. That's most important here. Now, it's about a $1.3 billion company and have a decent amount of debt, about $2 billion in debt. I don't like that. One thing that really irks me about this company is that their profits are all over the place. They're up and down from year to year. There's really no consistency to it. Well, last quarter, earning revenue were up 70% year over year and earnings up 734% year over year. The quarter before that, revenues were up 2% year over year. Earnings were down 35% year over year. So, The future of cash flows is very opaque. And clearly their pricing power is not very consistent. So I'm not a big fan of this name and it's up into resistance where it's found resistance back in early 2019, uh, earlier this year, right around the $25, $26 level. And you actually had a big reversal today on this name and a lot of the solar names. So I'm going to pass on it for now. I like that you're looking at solar. I think there's going to be opportunity there. We are we are canvassing the industry for the best names and, and trying to figure out where we want to gain exposure on a pullback. But I would wait. I would wait. Uh, and I don't think this is the best one. It's uh, From my recent research, it's definitely not the best one. Uh, there are others in the industry as well. So... Uh, I would pass on Canadian Solar. CSIQ is the symbol. 8899 chart 888-992-4278. We have about 20 minutes left in the show to get your call in. Let's look at history. Let's study history a little bit and compare it to today. And if you understand, if you if you were around in the 90s, you would probably see some parallels from today and the late 90s. You had central banks pushing liquidity out into the system. In the late 90s it was post the Asian financial crisis. It was in the lead up to Y2K to stem off potential economic problems with you know, the Y2K bug, which really never came to pass. You had Tons of individual investors trying to cash in on massive growth in tech stocks. And back then, many of those tech stocks were the largest weightings in the S&P 500. Now, if you look back in history, we are, we have now exceeded the concentration of the top 10 largest holdings in the S&P than we had back in 2000. Back then, it was 25% of the overall index. Now, we're up to 26% after the likes of Microsoft, Apple, and Amazon appreciated minimum 48% over the last 12 months. Now, there are some things that are a little bit better about this market. Some things are a little worse. Now, typically, growth companies... Command a higher PE, a higher multiples, and that typically translates into bigger stocks or a bigger market capitalizations, and we know that the S and P is market cap weighted. Now, back in, you know, when the when the market's high though, it doesn't necessarily mean it has to be driven by growth stocks. In two thousand six, Exxon, Citigroup, and Bank of America were the three of the largest, or three of the five largest holdings within the S and P. Back in 2000, it was a different scene. It was more of a mix between growth and value, but certainly growth-focused. Back then, only three of the top six holdings in June 2000 were tech stocks. Currently, all six of the largest holdings in the S&P are tech stocks. So this tells you that the top positions of the S&P are at their most concentrated in history. Now, what does this tell us us about the future of the indexes? Well, every time this has occurred, the market was about to suffer its longest downturn over an entire time period, typically over the next couple of years, right? two The bear market lasted until 2003. This time, investors are jumping into the, into tech stocks because brokerage commissions are free. They're getting free money from the government, extra money that they weren't before working. They're still day trading on you know with these online platforms, so very similar to two thousand. Now, what did work over the subsequent periods? Well, small-cap value worked the best post these peri- that period. And the two weakest periods for small-cap value were prior to 2000 and today. The late 90s was very weak for small-cap value. And over the past decade, small-cap value has underperformed dramatically. Now, this is general guidelines. It's not a precise blueprint. We know that history rhymes. It doesn't repeat exactly, only vaguely. So we know the valuation gap is similar to 2000. And this is why it's probably better to bet on value side of the market over the growth for the coming period. Now, let's keep things moving. Back to our ever-filled voice bank. Thanks to our loyal listeners. This next question comes from a listener in Hawaii. Hey,
0: Stephen Justin. This is Andrew in Hawaii. Thanks for all you guys do on the show. I just wanted to hear your thoughts on Tesla long-term, what you guys think about the price and where it's at right now. And also, can you guys shed some insight on Shell produce oil companies long-term with the electric vehicle space kind of take away from their business over time in the next 10 years or so? Look forward to the answer. Bye.
1: Well, certainly, the more electric vehicle adoption there is, the lower demand for, for gasoline, the harder it will be for oil to stay above the cost of production in the shale space. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't stay above that for periods of time, but it's going to be fits and starts because there's long lead times to investment in the shale space. You can't just drill a well, decide to drill a well, and think you're going to get production in a week or two. Typically, takes about a year. So that's my thoughts on the shale space. Now, Tesla has been cooking its books for the past four quarters, and I would argue before that, in order to show, quote-unquote, profitability for four quarters in a row. They've been playing with warranty reserves. They've been their, – their accounts receivable has – been inflated dramatically there's a lot of shady things going on in the books of tesla and i think everyone knows my take on tesla not a fan of it i think there. It's it's once again the sec falling asleep at the wheel and not cracking down on the financial manipulation that's going on here so uh i would not be a fan of tesla thanks for the call 8899 chart, 88992 4278. We have about 13 minutes left in the show if you want to get your call in right now. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And obviously, the economy is reopening some states more than others. And there's a lot of uncertainty, but you can't allow that uncertainty to derail your retirement objectives. You can't let them be controlled by this pandemic. You have to take charge now to optimize your portfolio. And that's what we try to help you do each and every weekday on Invest Talk. But if you want more hands-on, you want a more hands-on approach, I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve Peasley at our KP financial offices in Irvine, California. We want to help you. So head over to InvestTalk.com. And now I'm here, ready to provide unbiased answers to your finance and investment questions. We are taking your calls live at 888 chart You are
2: listening to Invest Talk. We have good news. Steve and Justin have recorded an all new Rapid Fire Hour. It's a free podcast download and you'll hear answers to 30 caller questions. You still get unbiased answers, but the show moves along at a faster pace. You can find it now for free at investtalk.com, iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Search Invest Talk June Bonus Show. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls. The Anytime Listener Line is open, 888-99-CHART.
0: Hi, this is Justin from Sparks, Nevada. I have recently bought a position in SOLO, S-O-L-O. I think it's going to go a lot higher Just because they're pre-sales now, and as soon as they start opening their three stores, I believe that they will skyrocket. But I want to make sure that you think the same thing.
2: Let me know what you think. Thank you. Bye.
1: Well, this is Electra Mechanica Vehicles. And it's actually a Canadian company British out of British Columbia the name looks like it's Hispanic of some kind, but it's, it's not $189 million market cap. It looks like it was down a little bit today. Yeah. About uh, 5% or so. Hmm. You know, this kind of is getting caught up in the electric vehicle craze. This reminds me of kind of Neo, right? That's the uh, Chinese electric car company. Now this is not nearly as high evaluation, only a you know, hundred million dollar market cap or so. Now they never made money. Uh, this is a, a story stock. There's a lot of these story stocks, right? How much are they going to produce? Is there? Do they have the money to build a factory? You know, Nikola, another example of these electric vehicle stocks. They just had a design. They have plans. But they garnered a 20-plus, I think it was maybe $30 billion market cap at one point. And now it's come down a lot, but still trading at crazy valuations for basically a plan for an electric vehicle. Yeah, it's at $12 billion market cap. So it's just kind of caught up in that. The best thing I would say is the valuation isn't that high, right? The market cap isn't that high for kind of a similar story, it sounds like. I'm not too familiar with the story. But this is another example of your average investor just getting caught up in the story. You're Robin Hoodies of the world. And so there's no fundamental basis for investing in the company without a path towards some sort of profitability. Just a story. I don't know much about their business to, to really tell you whether there is a path, but it doesn't seem like there is because they've never made money and they're not projected to. And technically, it's a low-volume stock, it, it low float, so could it spike? Absolutely. Is it back into support? Absolutely. But, you're just betting on a the story. There's no fundamentals behind it. Now we have a good rhythm going. Let's try to squeeze in one more question before the next break. This came in earlier at eight ninety nine chart.
0: Yeah, my name is Josh Hahn. I uh, definitely an avid listener to your show, so I appreciate all that you guys do. My question today is about Uber Technologies um, with the recent acquisition of Postmates. Just wanted to see, you know, what you guys' have thoughts on it. If, if you think this is a good long-term investment, well, I look forward to hearing
1: your response. Thanks so much. I am. I do have my eye on Uber. I, I think that they have a network effect. They certainly have. Competition and Lyft and DoorDash. And it, it's it's going to be a business that is going to take a while to scale. But once they get to scale, I think they'll have solid cash flows. My issue here is in the medium term with both liquidity potentially drying up, growth stocks underperforming. This would certainly be one of them. With the pandemic and less use of just simply Uber transportation Maybe more use of delivery, but it's clearly not enough to keep them growing at the same same pace. So I still think the valuation is a little rich here at $53 billion market cap and cash flows that still remain negative. And technically, it doesn't look too, too solid, but it is on my buy list, but it needs to come down much much more. I want to see this back in the teens. If it gets back in the teens, that's when I would think about picking up Uber. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And we have one goal here. Each and every weekday is to help you achieve your own particular version of financial freedom. And we're heading into our final break. So if you're gonna call you want to do it right now at 99 chart.
2: On the next Invest Talk, COVID 19 has made earnings difficult to forecast. McDonald's is a case study. Its revenues have plunged 30%. So, what happens next? That story tomorrow. But now, Justin Klein is here. He's welcoming your questions. Call Invest Talk, 888 99 Chart. Hey, Steve and
0: Justin. This is Jennifer from Houston. I am calling about Coca Cola. I bought a very small amount and I want to buy more for the long term. I'm just wanted to see what you think about it. If I should wait for a bigger pullback or buy
1: more now or not at all. All right. Love the show. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Well there's definitely a price where Coca-Cola is attractive and I, I think it's going to be lower. You've had your third consecutive high here. You're kind of looking at a mini mini head and shoulders over the past four months or so, and had a pretty weak reversal day today. My price right now is trading at 48. My price is around $36, somewhere in that range, $35. That's where I would be aggressively picking up Coke. I like that it's on your watch list. It's long-term investment perspectives are great, uh, but you, you know that their business is being impacted. Right, with less people being able to go and you know, get refills of drinks and, and going to restaurants. So certainly their business in the near term is going to struggle, but that is going to give you a good long-term buying opportunity. But I think you're going to have about a, of, of more volatility in the market overall over the next six to nine months or so, and that will give you a better opportunity to get into Coke. And that's where I'm targeting, $35 per share, and I would love it there. And I would be patient because I do think you're going to get there. 8899 chart, 889924278. Let's close with the Fed. The Fed is extending its lending facilities, a bunch of them that support credit markets, that support asset backed lending markets, that Support supposedly Main Street, Main Street, Main Street lending program, even though that hasn't really been taken up very strongly. Uh, money mark, market liquidity facility, really to support the plumbing of the system. And it was set; a lot of these were set to expire around September 30th of this year, and that has now been extended through year end. Now, what this tells you is that the Fed still sees problems in the system that they need to pump liquidity in in order to stave off freezing up of liquidity. And this goes back to what they're starting to say more consistently is they only have lending powers. They don't have spending powers. So they can only do so much to support the overall overall economy. Now, what they can do to purchase assets like treasuries to support spending by the government. I've said this before. Politicians are now battering batting around either a $1 trillion or a $3.5 trillion or somewhere in between, most likely. Billion, trillion dollar bill that will support the economy, and they realize that. It doesn't matter what the size is really. At least they at least yet. They don't they're not considering the ramifications yet. We're starting to see that in the gold and silver market and commodity markets and the dollar. But I think that's a little ways down the line until politicians wake up to that. But at least in the near term, the Fed is going to support fiscal spending. And you're going to get lots of it in the near term. And that is why the dollar is falling. That is why gold and silver are surging. So if you're invested in the commodity space, you're allocating more there. You have to ask yourself, when will the spending slow down? When will it not end, but yeah, slow down? When will fiscal sanity be restored to Congress? Trump certainly didn't bring it. I'm not sure that a Biden administration would do it either. One day we'll get there, but it will likely be in a tough situation. The dropping dollar will cause problems like inflation. That's when they will wake up and fix the fiscal problem, only when they have to. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. I'll return on Thursday. C. Peasley will host the program tomorrow. In the meantime, please remember to download our new June Rapid Fire Hour bonus podcast. It is free, and you can get it right now. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Please tell your friends about our podcast. Good night.
0: Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically.